Welcome to the show, Employment Law Show. You bet John Scholes here, your host, alongside Alex Luciferro, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Going to be doing all the heavy lifting and question answering on the show uh, today. You want to reach out, you can do so a couple different ways. Um, you can email us anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca with any questions you may have. Your employment rights are pretty robust. On the show today, we got uh, our main topic coming up, of course, Alex, situations that trigger employment law disputes. But first, we always get to the case of the day, pal. What do you got going on? Mr. Schools, thanks very much. Great to be here as uh, usual. It's been a busy start to the week. Lots of people contacting us with uh, employment law questions. Fielded a ton of questions today, uh, John, about workplace safety, severance, temporary layoffs came up. Uh, And of course, we're still getting questions about COVID-19, how that's impacting workplaces. Vaccination policies, of course, continue to be pretty hotly contested uh, subject in the air in the world of employment law and listen that's great john i mean we always encourage people uh, as you well know to contact us seek out that help seek out that information and the advice that they need to resolve their workplace problems whether you want to call into the show right now which would be absolutely great of course or if you want to contact us off the air at the office really however you want to get a hold of us the important thing is that if you have questions about your work if you've been let go from your job perhaps or if you feel like your employer is simply not holding up its end of the bargain. You need to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as possible. These kind of conversations can't wait. Oftentimes those delays cause you prejudice as an employee. They make the situation worse. And listen, they can literally affect your entire career. And, you know, of course, the more information, the more knowledge you have as an employee and as an employer as well, for that matter, the more protected, the more prepared you're going to be to deal with a workplace issue. So with all of that said, let's get on here to the uh, the case of the day, as we call it. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk uh, today and that I think will provide a, a good lesson for our listeners out there. Spoke to a gentleman earlier today, uh, John, who was in, I'd say, quite a bad situation. He explained to me that he was really just being mistreated uh, at work by his boss in some pretty terrible uh, a ways spoken t- down to, sworn at, singled out for unnecessary punishment and and discipline, and, and you know, oftentimes, uh, John, when we think about bullying and harassment in the workplace, uh, you know, we we think sometimes it's just kind of you know the the quieter, meeker employees or perhaps just women that are victims of of workplace harassment. Well, I'm here to tell you, John, that's absolutely not the case. I've had many clients over the years, you know, men, sometimes big burly men in the construction industry or in any industry for that matter, that are still, of course, the victims of harassment in the workplace. And the reason for that, uh, John, is, of course, when you're dealing with a boss, when you're dealing with a manager or the owner of a company or someone in HR, there is always an inequality of bargaining power there. There's an inequality of power there between the employer and the individual, the employee. And oftentimes, I mean, really that power just gets to someone's head. The employer may not be a tough guy or tough girl necessarily, but they have that power over that individual and they end up abusing it simply because they are the boss, because they can control what that person does or doesn't do. Well, this gentleman in this particular case, uh, uh, John, very nice guy, completely mistreated by uh, his boss. I mean, dozens and dozens of examples that we can probably uh, uh, get to. Just routinely very rude to him, threatened him, used foul language, put him down, uh, verbally abusive, but also over text message. You should see some of the stuff that this particular manager put in in text messages on. You'd be shocked Uh, to the point that this gentleman was just ready to quit. I mean, he literally contacted us as a, what do we, what do I do here? Because I'm ready to quit this afternoon. 
uh, and he wanted to know, what are my options? Do I have to quit or do I have to just suffer in silence? Well, of course, John, there's a solution. I, and, and I told him exactly that. I told him, no, you don't have to suffer in silence. You don't, all, you don't have to necessarily quit either. Uh, you have a right as an employee to work in a healthy, safe, supportive, proper work environment that's free from harassment, as all our listeners do. This is, doesn't just apply to him or this individual. It applies to all employees in Ontario. And if that happens to you where uh, the work environment becomes poisoned, you can treat your employment as terminated. It's what we call a constructive dismissal. In this particular case, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get him out of the workplace because it's, some, it's become so terribly toxic, so terribly uh, poisoned that this guy just needs to get out of there. Uh, but it's not a resignation, uh, John. It's, it's going to be a constructive dismissal. And as a result of that, we're going to get him the severance that he is owed so he can move on with his life, go to a better work environment. And again, I wanted to mention this because there are lots of people out there that are in a similar situation. They think that there's shame in being harassed or bullied at work or that they have no options. They just have to grin and bear it and suffer in silence. But there are options. As an employee, you always have rights. And particularly, you have rights when it comes to bullying and harassment uh, in the workplace. The law comes down really, really hardly on employees who don't foster a safe and proper and healthy work environment. And again, if that happens to you, you know what to do. Just give us a call at the office. Don't quit on the spot by any means. I'm not telling people out there to just quit their jobs if they're dealing with a workplace harassment uh, situation. You need to speak with HR. You need to speak with an employment lawyer. There are options. You do have rights as an employee. Uh, it's so, so important for somebody's mental health and their overall physical health, uh, uh, John, that it, it's a crisis situation when something like that happens in the workplace. And again, reaching out to Alex and his team anytime. Uh, keep this number with you, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, God's Power, how are you? What's going on today? Yeah, I'm fine. Good Good evening. How are you? Excellent. What's your question? Yeah, um, I've been trying to reach uh, the employment lawyer for a long time. Okay. Regard my job, I was working with a company in Georgetown, so I don't need to make I don't need, I don't need to make sure the company name. Nope. But I was work, work, working with this company for since 2018 for almost three years, uh, three years plus almost four years. So the company started me with thirty five dollar per hour from beginning up to date, no increments for almost uh, four years. Then when I was sick on COVID uh, February, uh, sorry March, I was sick on COVID March. Then uh, they were, the boss was aware of it. By April, when I got better, when he's aware of it, then he, he said, I don't need you anymore. So I said, okay, uh, no problem. Pay me my one week uh, last invoice and my severance. He said, no, GP, it don't work like that. You work for yourself. I said, no, yes, you pay my WSIB and I work for you. I did work for another person. Almost four years, I was doing like six people's job. Okay. Operate my skin, do everything. But up to today, the man uh, refused to pay me my severance. Right. Yeah, right. difficult situation, uh, GP, only because, I, I mean, here are a couple of issues. Number one, it sounds like your employer uh, was treating you like a contractor. Uh, and that's why he quoted, oh, I don't owe you severance. I just paid your last invoice. That is like that, that is nonsense, GP. It is almost always the case in these kinds of situations that an employee is more in fact an actual employee a legitimate employee rather than a contractor 
a contractor we could think of in the classic sense of the term, you know, a plumber who works for him or herself and, and has multiple clients is a, a true contractor. Someone that works exclusively for the same employer gets an hourly wage as you were getting, works regular hours, gets paid at regular intervals, even if they're called an independent contractor as you were uh, a GP, you're undoubtedly going to be considered an employee. And that means your own severance. Now, here's the difficulty, GP, with your situation. Because this happened, if I understand this correctly, this happened in April of 2020. I think if you said you, you had COVID right, you had COVID right at the start of uh, 20 and then got 2020 and then got let go. Uh, keep in mind that an employee has two years from the date of their termination to pursue severance. GP, if that two-year period has come and gone, you may very well be out of luck. You will not be able to pursue them for severance anymore. If this happened less than two years ago, and I'm not sure if I got that information correct, but to be clear, if this happened less than two years ago, GP, you do you are able to pursue severance, uh, and you would be owed severance based on your age, position, and years of service. And you know, if you've been with the company for a few years, uh, even just you know a couple of years, your severance are going to be months long, for sure. Even short-term employees are entitled to proportionately longer periods uh, of severance. So your severance entitlements may be significant depending on what you were earning. Give us a call at the office. You can speak to somebody in our intake department. We'll take the necessary information and we'll give you the advice that you need. Uh, don't be shy to reach out. GP, nice. We will continue Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Stand by. Here's how you reach out to Alex when we're not doing the show. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca or the website built just for you to learn and enjoy and reach out as well. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Rolled into that would be the severance calculator. Over 2 million people have used it and had much success. So give it a spin. That's uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But we are back to the topic of the night. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. Number one, Alex, when an employer makes major changes to an employee's terms of employment. How about that? Yeah, triggering employment law disputes, uh, uh, John. And, you know, funnily enough, these things sometimes arise and employees aren't even aware that they're actual issues or that they need to act in the situation. And major changes to your employment is one of those situations where Lots of times employees aren't quite sure if what their employer is doing is legal or not legal. A lot of them presume that if an employer is doing something, if they're making changes to the workplace, if they're changing their hours or changing their pay or changing their position, they're perfectly legitimate and it's perfectly legal to do something like that. They take their employer's word for it and don't question it at all. And that's what I, it's a myth that I wanted to bust this evening, John, which is, well, actually, your employer can't make major changes to the terms of your employment. That may very well trigger an employment law dispute because you as an employee need to consent to such a major change. And I referenced a couple that you know we see oftentimes uh, that are quite popular, changing uh, your position in a significant way. If you are demoted in your employment, that is potentially what we call a constructive dismissal. It may be in a situation where you can actually refuse the position change and if your employer doesn't back down, you would be owed severance. You would be allowed to effectively resign from your employment uh, and obtain a severance package. Another example is a change to pay. If your employer tries to make a major change to your pay structure, and we see this oftentimes 
for sales employees, John, an employer will come out with a new commission plan for the year that is a big cut to the employee's compensation package. And when something like that happens, some employees will think, well, I guess I have to accept. I guess I've got to go along with it, even though it's going to be a big hair, you know, a big haircut this year as far as my pay goes. No, you don't have to accept a major change uh, like that. Whenever there is a significant change to the terms of your employment, make sure uh, that before you accept or decline for that matter, before you give your employer any kind of answer, take some time to digest uh, the proposal and make sure you understand what your employer is asking from you and then speak with an employment lawyer uh, uh, by all means. It's extremely important. If you accept a major change like that, it becomes very difficult to undo after the fact. And not only that, John, we've seen lots of situations you have as well over the course of uh, the many years we've been doing this show where once you accept one change, you then have to accept accept the next and the next and the next. You kind of lose your right to dispute a major change. So it's an extremely important area of the law when it comes to employment law and oftentimes where disputes with employers happen. Another situation that trigger employment law disputes when an employer resorts to a termination for cause way too soon. They pull the trigger, as we like to say in the show, right? Yeah, yeah. And and listen, John, I've been practicing employment law for many years. We've been doing this show for many years. And it is amazing uh, that we continue to see week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year mm-hmm. out, employers just pulling the trigger too soon when it comes to what we call terminations for cause. A termination for cause is when an employer is alleging misconduct or bad behavior or some sort of performance uh, concern. And they're effectively saying what you have done, employee, is so terribly wrong that we are giving you no notice of your termination. We're letting you go on the spot uh, and we are not offering you or paying you any kind of severance whatsoever. That's what a termination for cause is. And the law, John, is crystal, crystal clear. A termination for cause is basically the capital punishment of the employment relationship. It is reserved for the worst of the worst offenses. Uh, Really, really egregious behavior is going to be terminations for cause. If you are assaulting somebody in the workplace or if you commit fraud in in your employment and you're you know stealing from your employer major things like that are going to be caused for termination anything short of that uh john particularly for long service employees for employees with a good record of employment with good performance reviews even if there is an incident even if there is an act of misconduct or if, even if there are performance concerns it's not going to raise uh, to to rise to the level of cause for termination, and that employee is going to be owed severance. The difficulty is uh, we see that employers allege cause and they don't offer severance uh, in situations that don't call for it. And really what they're trying to do is trying to get away with not paying severance. And that's obviously inappropriate. And again, it triggers an employment law dispute. It triggers a situation where you as an employee need to fight for your rights, fight for your severance, uh, and obtain severance from that employer. And again, step number one in that process is speaking with an employment lawyer. Another one here, a situation that will trigger employment law disputes. This one's very common when an employer tries to call somebody an independent contractor when they're not, and they're doing it to save money. That's right. Like our friend uh, JP at the at the top of That's the uh, show, or GP, I think it was. Uh, you know, uh, And we see the situation lots. Uh, John, of course, and again, we've spoken about it so much over the over the years on on, on the show. But you know, oftentimes an employee will call themselves an independent contractor. They will do their own taxes. Maybe they, ha- they even have a sole proprietorship, or they've incorporated and they're 
invoicing an employer that way uh, and they're paying their own taxes and they're paying their own employment insurance and all of that stuff, even in a situation like that, uh, John, uh, again, we have to look at the true nature of the relationship. If this particular individual is working for one employer, has a regular schedule, gets vacation time, uses the company's tools, you know, if all of those classic items that we think of when we're talking about an employee, if all of those check out, this person is going to be considered an employee, undoubtedly, uh, and they're going to be owed severance like an employee. Again, even if they call themselves an independent contractor, uh, they're going to be owed severance based on their age, position, and years of service. And their entitlements are going to be significant. They may even be owed other items, John, like vacation pay or like pension contributions. Uh, oftentimes, those issues arise as well when we're dealing with independent contractors. Those other components of, of uh, compensation uh, that haven't been paid over the years become relevant at that time. And for the person who says, yeah, but, uh, you know, Alex, it's, it's an agreement. The boss and I both agreed to do this. It works better for both of us. So I guess I'm in the clear. Yeah, and, and oftentimes we will hear that, uh, John, but here's you know the reality of the situation, which is that it is not really what you call yourselves, even in agreement, right? Even if the parties agree, it is not mm-hmm. what you call yourselves that matter. It's not the, the name or the label that's on the relationship that matters. It's the substance of the relationship. And so you can call an employee a contractor all you want. If it looks and talks and acts like an employee, you are going to have an employment relationship there that then triggers obligations on the part of an employer. Otherwise, John, and again, we've said this so many times over the show, otherwise, every single employer would call their employees contractors and have them do their own taxes uh, and save a bunch of money doing so, right? There would be no employees in the world if that was the easy solution. Uh, Again, it's the substance of the relationship that ultimately matters. We're talking about situations that will trigger employment law disputes when an employee is terminated right before that bonus is due. Nice try. Yeah, nice try. And again, you know, bonus is another issue where, you know, we can even, uh, you know, uh, broaden it beyond bonus, commissions, stock units, stock awards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, John, it happens so often that we see employers let employees go right before that commission payment is due or right before that bonus is due. And really, if I can be frank about it, John, that's bad faith conduct on the part of an employer. But really, because really what they're trying to do is cheat that employee from an actual piece of compensation that they earned. You know, oftentimes you earn that bonus and then it gets paid three months later or you earn that commission and it gets paid a couple of months uh, uh, later. And if an employer tries to refuse payment of those amounts, that really is an employer refusing to pay an employee their wages. And the law actually comes down quite strictly on employees in that kind of situation. Not only that, John, but you know, it's also a situation that when an employee is let go, they're owed severance. Their severance is calculated as all components of their compensation continuing for the full severance period. And so let's say an employee you know, is let go right before their bonus is due, but their severance is you know, six months, for example. You know, the way their severance is calculated is you have to ask the question, what would that employee have earned over the course of the next six months had they not been terminated or had they been given notice of their termination? And of course, undertaking that analysis, their bonus becomes part of that compensation automatically. That's the way the law works, John. So when an employer tries to 
forego an employee their bonus and terminate them right before it becomes payable, really they're trying to skirt the law. They're trying to get get away with not paying an employee their earned wages. You know, massive mistake on the part of an employer. And again, that will absolutely trigger an employment law dispute uh, because it's effectively illegal. We'll get to one more of these with our, our time, pal. We're talking about situations that trigger employment law disputes when an employee is let go while on their maternity or a parental leave, even if it's for legitimate reason. No good. Yeah. So, you know, in a situation like uh, this, John, it's uh, oftentimes a question of that relationship between an employer and employee and exactly, uh, you know, it's a, it's the question of, when the employee uh, uh, is going on leave, even if it's for a legitimate reason, even when there's a situation uh, where, let's say, the employer is having to restructure and they are you know, simply not able to offer that employee back the specific position that they left, it's still the case, John, that the, employee, the employer rather, has an obligation uh, to look for comparable positions in uh, a situation like that. So you can't just say, oh, you're a receptionist with uh, with the employer. Well, now we don't have any more receptionists, so you're gone. We're letting you go as you come back from maternity or from parental leave. The employer actually has a, an obligation to say, well, hold on a sec here. We don't have the receptionist role because the position no longer exists. We don't have a receptionist anymore, but we have another administrative role that you can take on. Why don't you accept that job? Why don't you, you know, why don't you come back to that job? The employer has the legal obligation to do that, John. And if they don't, it's a breach of the Employment Standards Act. It's also potentially discrimination under the Human Rights Code. So don't mess with mama is the saying we always say on the show. And that that remains the case, uh, uh, John, uh, even up until today. You bet. You can always get in a whole heap of trouble if you end up doing that sort of uh, sort of business. Don't mess with mama or dad or any parent for that matter when it comes back to uh, coming back to work for sure. Uh, we're just about out of time. In that regard, I want to send along an email to Alex or give him a call now that we're off air very shortly. You can do so. Here's how you do it. It's one 821 5900 That would be the phone number. Email we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And there's a website called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Contained in that is the severance calculator, which does exactly that right it correctly calculates how much severance you are owed doesn't matter what the letter from the employer former employer says the correct number is waiting for you at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca by using the severance calculator so have that look and uh we'll get back to it we'll return tomorrow night at 6 30 with the tuesday night edition of the employment law show have a great night